Hi, Miss. Thanks, Tina, for that uh, introduction full of um, pressure. And <laughs> uh, my English is okay. It's decent. Uh, it's better than before. Um, yeah, my name is Myung Wa Choi. I am uh, from a city called Busan. Uh, it's a city down under in, in the south of Korea. Uh, that's where I was born in. I grew up there, and then I came to Seoul for college. So I graduated from Iwa Wons University. And you're my who best year? Come on. Woo, Iwa, represent. I used to come out as a student, too, but then I was really shy because it was a Yonsei gathering back then. So I would, like, come out, but then I was, like, so shy. So I didn't really meet anyone. I was sneaking. I would sneak out. You know, but uh, it's really good to see some of my hubes really taking your place. This is ministry for you as well. So, so my Iho girls, you guys really, yeah, keep coming out. Uh, I graduated, um, yeah, a short while ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I graduated, I think, 2009, 2009, 2008. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm not that much older than you. So, it's really good to be here in this room. I feel like I'm one of you. Amen? Yeah. Right? All right. <laughs> what is the pity, pitiful answer? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you kind of thing. All right. It's really good to be here. Uh, I do not take this honor lightly. I really, every single time I come to speak at Emmaus, I know that it's a God-given opportunity. And I'm not here to deliver the most amazing message in this world, but I am here to testify how Jesus has been faithful in my life and how he's fully alive in my life. He's active. He's moving. And I want to also tell you that that Jesus isn't just for me, but he's also actively moving in your life. So it's going to be just uh, a lot of my story sharings, my life stories, and um, there's going to be a lot of um, laughing together. And uh, like Tina said, I'm a little ghetto, so I don't want to be the only one talking in this room. So I need you guys to be um, like very engaging and active with me, alright? So don't just sit back if this is not a movie theater. I'm not the only one talking. I want you to be interacting with me. Okay, so, so practice. That's good. Practice that. Mm, do that. Mm, and do some, do some nods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, all right. <laughs> Feel free to jo- uh, laugh with me uh, whenever I throw a joke, you know. Even if it's not funny, you know. You can still laugh, you know. You guys are gracious. So I'm going to deliver the word of God tonight. How many of you in this room like free stuff? Raise your hands. If I say after this service, I'm going to buy everyone's dinner, you're all going to come out, right? Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so toward the end of the month, I'm really poor. You know, my bank account is going low. But if someone says, hey, I'll pay for you. I got you. Like that really blesses you, right? Even if it's ice cream or dinner or movie, especially when it's unexpected, right? Someone that you never assume that will buy you dinner. Oh, what? Jehi Anni? You're going to buy me dinner? You know, like something unexpected. What? David, you're going to buy me dinner? <laughs> you know, that's like someone that's unexpected. Like when someone would like to pay for you, I mean, no one's going to say no to it, you know? And um, it, this is like a survival Korean. Everyone... Everyone in this room, you gotta learn this word. Gongja. Everyone say, Gongja. Gongja means free stuff. Anything that's for free. So, Gongja. Everyone say, Gongja. Oh, is this, is this, um, dialect? Is this Hatturi? 
In Busan, we say Gongja. I think Seoul people say Gongja. But I think Gongja sounds cooler. So just Gongja, stick to that. But when you, you know, I think Americans, they say, oh, it's, it's on me or it's my treat. You guys say that, right? Hey, it's my treat when you want to pay for something. And I think Australians, any Australian in this room? Australians, you guys say, it's my shout. Am I right? Yeah, they say, it's my shout. That means they are going to pay for everything, right? And Koreans, we say, 내가 쏠게. Uh-huh. 내가 쏠게, that means it's on me, right? So those, those, those words you do not want to forget. When someone says, it's my shout, 내가 쏠게, you got to catch that and let them pay for you, right? And tonight, I am going to talk about a God that is very generous. They gave his treat, his shout, and he sucks up for all of us. And now he's a God that pays for you generously. Growing up, think about your upbringing, okay? Uh, whether you're from America, Africa, Europe, doesn't matter. Think about your upbringing, growing up, who paid for your food? Who paid for your toys? Who paid for your furniture, your desk, your, your bed, your clothes? And starting from the overalls and the onesies back in the days. You know, who paid for those things? Who paid for your education? Who paid for all, all of that? Mommy and daddy, right? Either mom or dad or both. Mom and daddy did that, right? I mean, even in the orphanages, like a dorm mom, mom paid for everything, right? And until you are able, your parents pay for you. And I still haven't heard of any story of a parent collecting all the receipts for your toys and for your furniture, for your books and textbooks and collect it in a huge box. And the moment you reach age 19, hey, here is all your receipts. Give me my reimbursement. <laughs> now you get a job and then pay me all back. The total is da 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 I haven't heard of any parent story like that. Do you guys know anyone? It's expected that your parents, your daddy and mommy pay for you without expecting anything back. Is that the case only in America, only in Korea? No. It's the case for everywhere in this world. And is that bad that the children don't even know how to be thankful for that? You know, children tend to take it for granted, right? They don't every time say, thank you for cooking dinner, mommy. They don't do that. Thank you for this desk that I can study on. They don't do that. They rarely study anyways. You know, nobody really, th those kids, they take it for granted, but there is also a beauty in it too, that they know that my parents provide for me. You know, it's a natural thing. It's something that they were kind of born with. Even in their mommy's womb, they were provided for, right? Growing up, they're provided for. Childhood, provided for. And they know that it's something that's natural. And um. You know, now that we are a little bit more mature, hopefully, all of you, in the same boat, that we, I now finally see, like, how much my parents provided for me generously. And how come I never really thanked them for it? I always took it for granted. But now, I know, man, all the laundry, do you guys do your own laundry right now in the dorms? You know, you now finally understand how painful it is to do it every week, you know? I don't really do it every week, by the way. But like the yeah, colorful one, darker clothes, you know, your socks and your underwears. Anyways, all of this stuff. Your mom did that for a lifetime, you know? Cooking is painful. Cooking, cleaning up. You know, you eat breakfast and then prepare for lunch and then clean up your lunch and then it's time for cook, 
cook dinner, right? And all that that your parents did for free, everything that they paid for, you know, now that I'm old enough, I finally get to really thank them and appreciate all those things, you know? But my point is, is not to thank our parents. It's good to do that, but good parents don't expect anything back. And they gladly paid for everything simply because they love you. Simply because they think you're worthy of it. Not expecting my child will become a lawyer. I'm 100% sure. So I'm going to invest in this child. My child is like a blue chip. I'm going to invest in it. It's not the mentality of a parent. No matter what kind of child that they have, they they pour love, they pay for everything, not expecting anything back, but simply because they love their child. And because they believe my child is worthy of their love and care. And I'm here to say that God's heart for you is the same. He gladly and generously provides for you. He, in fact, takes delight in providing for your needs. All of your financial needs, your physical needs, are provided through God provides you. You know, God is the creator. And he's the one that runs the universe. You guys know that? So even though you might think everything was provided through my parents, my friends, my teachers, but, but the bottom line is everything came from who? The creator God, the provider of everything. Through those people, God used those people to provide directly to you. But it, I mean, the bottom line is everything really came from him. He gladly provides for all your needs. Why does he do that? Simply because he loves you. Simply because you, he thinks that you're worthy of it. Does he expect anything back? No, not even our parents do that. Turn to your neighbor, tell them that. Yo, he provides for you. And turn to another neighbor and tell them you're worthy of it. You're worthy of it. Come on. A lot of awkwardness in this room right now. You're worthy of that. You're worthy of it. Mm -hmm. God loves providing for you because he loves you and because he thinks you're worthy of it. You are worthy of it. And I think after turning 16, 17, 18, 19, I think with the whole concept of I need to be independent, that's Western mindset, by the way. In the East, it's a little easier than that. But like age 19, like a college age, Americans are all about, and Canadians and other people, I don't know. In the West, it's all about independence, isn't it? Oh, you got to, you know, now stand on your own feet. You shouldn't rely on your parents anymore. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Whole independence thing, that's the cool thing to do. You know, and I myself actually became financially independent at age 19, uh, my freshman year. But, I mean, the whole concept of it, because of that, the culture of it, people tend to graduate from the concept of provision and reliance. And for some reason, they start to think and believe that being provided for, being cared for, is something negative. And they start thinking, I got to stand on my own feet I shouldn't rely on anyone else. I got to provide for myself. 
And the world starts to view reliance as something very negative. It reflects lack of power, lack of control, lack of competence, lack of ability, lack of maturity. They connect not being able to provide for yourself and losing reliance. Independence is very glorified in this world. You guys agree? In the natural, it could be true. You should and you are coming out of the shadow of your guardian, which is mostly your parents. But however, in the spirit, you are never to graduate from the provision of the Father God. What's happening in this world is that independence is so overly emphasized that you are trying to graduate from being provided for by the daddy God. And you're trying to say, I'm on my own. I'm an adult. So let me figure out my own way. But you are never to graduate from that. Doesn't matter, no matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you are a freshman in college, or you are entering into your first job, or you are a 60-year-old grandma. Does not matter. You are never to graduate from relying on Him as a source of all things. You know, the Bible says it's, it's, it's nonsense for you to think that way. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from Him. All material, all resources come from Him. Gold and silver belongs to who? It belongs to Him. Relying on Him as a source of all blessing is a paradigm you have to live under for a lifetime. It's something that you do not come out of, no matter how old you get. That's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of immaturity. It is a sign that you are his child. And you are to live under that paradigm for a lifetime. So whether in abundance or in difficulty, in crisis, in lack, either way, you got to learn how to rely on him as your provider. And I think this age group is very, very crucial. Early 20s, late teens... I would say just early 20s, it's a very, very special time where God is developing that sense. He's drilling it into your head, and you got to get it. The Bible talks about you cannot serve me and money at the same time, right? And there's a only one thing that Jesus specifically mentions that you cannot serve me and so-and-so. The only thing is money, you know? That means how much control money could have over people's lives. Think about it. People do all kinds of evil things for money. And if you don't learn this lesson early 20s, you enter into industry, you enter into your jobs and careers, what's going to happen? You're going to start serving money. You're going to start worshiping money. You're going to start relying on your resume more than favor of God. You're going to think that I'm going to figure out my own way. My internship is more important than God. You know, one, adding one more line on my resume is going to get me my future straight. No, you got it all wrong. That's why your time in college is very, very important. You have to understand that you have to rely on Him as a source of all blessing. You have to get this into your head. And I think God really took me through a journey of learning the lesson like, like in a real, real way. And I'm going to share some of that. But um, you guys know this saying? It's really cool. It, it says, His will, His bill. You guys heard of that? If it's his will, he's going to pay for it. That's what it means. His will, his bill, right? 
provision of material, but I'm not just talking about financial provision like money, but I'm talking about opportunities, open doors, relational connections. All those things are provision of God. Let me explain and share some testimonies. Um, finances was something that I really struggled with personally. My family was never wealthy. My dad fixes cars, and in Korea, that doesn't really make much money. And um, because all, all big, these big companies um, own their own like, garage, so Hyundai cars go to Hyundai service center, Kia cars go to Kia service center, so my dad's business wasn't really doing well. Uh, so growing up, financially, our family was never really well off. But I, I was very aware of that. And um, I guess that gave me certain um, lies and false identities uh, for me to believe that I, gotta, I do not want to be a burden to my parents. I do not want to be the financial burden to my parents, so I'm going to be independent ASAP, and I'm going to get a job. I'm going to you know, make my own future and not burden my parents. That was my mentality. And um, I remember I became a Christian 2005, freshman year in college. And then uh, what I was really passionate about was missions. And even, even now, it's, it's bigger than ever. But I started to having really interest, uh, having big interest in going on short-term mission trips. And then there was this open door to go to Nepal in 2007, um, my, my third year in college. And I remember... Working like a dog, like I did so many part-time jobs. Like I worked like as a clerk in front of Ihua Main Gate, and then I tutored English, and I was trying to save up money as well as pay for my tuition and my living cost. So my life was really um, busy with making money, but then I somehow managed to uh, have all this money for just just enough for the mission trip, and then. This Sunday, I brought the last portion of my missions money, which was Shibomanan, $150 in my pocket. And then I was like so happy, you know, oh, finally, I'm able to go on a missions trip. And then um, I, I used to serve at a Sunday school at, at our Korean church site. So I, I finished that and then I ran up to the sanctuary, like dancing and singing. And in the middle of the service, it was time to um, take, the, take out the offering. And then uh, I, I took out my wallet, I opened it. And my wallet was completely empty. All the cash was gone, including my 150 for my missions. So what happened was, one of the kids at Sunday school, I'm assuming, took that cash, right? Hardwood, I like crumbled at that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh. How did I make that money, you know? And I started crying because it meant so much. It wasn't just 150. It wasn't easy money. That was like my, my sweat and blood, right? So I was just crying. <laughs> that was my money for missions and pity party, like full on. And at the end of the service, I ran to my missions team leader and I told her, Mel, I got to tell you something. My money was stolen. I started pulling, right? And then she goes, wow, wow, God is so good. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, what? And then she hands me an envelope. And she says, it's an anonymous offering that came in for you, like with your name on it, for your trip. And then I open it, and then it was $300. And then that day, actually, the sermon title was God of a Double Portion. If you can do the math, 150, <laughs> 300, you guys got it now? <laughs> you know, God of the Double Portion, and I received exactly the double amount of what was stolen. And God was telling me, yeah. I'm sending you. You don't have to labor for this trip. 
just go, I'm sending you. Cool testimony, huh? And I grew, I fell in love with Jesus more and more. And then years passed, and in 2008, um, by that time, I was certain in my heart that God was calling me for full-time ministry. So I studied English education, so my parents were expecting me to be an English teacher. That's what I thought I would be doing. But then uh, God was just really leading me with clarity that, Myung-ha, you ought to become a pastor, a missionary. So I was like, okay, God, that's what I want to do. Um, and my heart was set on it, but then there was no way because I was accumulating a lot of debt for my tuition, number one. And also, because Seoul isn't my home, I didn't have a place to live. I was living in um, like a really tiny, you know, like hasukjib, you know, kind of like koshiwan, kind of small room with my roommate in the tiny room. And I, was, I wasn't able to afford like a housing after graduation. And number three was I wanted to do ministry, but I didn't want to live leave my uh, church in Philly. Back then it was called JSCM. But God, I want to stay at JSCM. You know, but then if you think about it, like as a Korean native girl who was very quiet and shy, there was no way that this church would hire me as a full-time like a pastor who doesn't even have a seminary degree. You know, there is just no way for that, right? So I was like, Man, there's no way for me to do it financially and open door wise. It's just impossible. So I started just praying. 2008, all throughout the year, I prayed every single day. I cried out to the Lord, God, this is what you're calling me to do. Then provide a way for me. I was desperate. And all throughout the year, first semester ended, summer vacation ended, second semester even ended. And I remember taking the final exam. And all my friends had like secure jobs where they were uh, going for the national exams and stuff like that. And I was the only one that didn't know what to do with my life. And I was like, wow, God. Wow, finals ended today. Hallelujah. And I'm going to church, but I don't have anything in my hands right now. And I went to church and I cried my eyes out again, okay? I made a little puddle, you know, of tears, cried and cried, God, do you even hear me? Like, have you abandoned me? All kinds of, you know? And I was venting at God and then I was tired from all the venting and I sat down, cried all throughout the service and then uh, during announcement, I remember still very vividly, Pastor Christian, he was a new pastor back then, a pastor of my church, he came on the stage, grabbed the mic. He goes, I have a new announcement today. We're going to start something new. It's called, N- it's not NRTC, ROTC, ROTC Intern Pastor Program. And I'm like, well, what's that? So PC explains, Pastor Christian starts to explain. It's a program where we're going to send you to a seminary for free. All the tuitions covered. With that, housings gonna come with it number three he says and those people will be serving as intern pastors in your philly what did i pray for exactly three things seminary money right housing and the position to serve and when i heard it i knew that's for me and right after my finals of my last semester in college Remember running back to the back and I signed up with tears and I knew that was for me. If you think about it, God is God that creates. He's a creator God, right? And he created a position that didn't exist before for me, according to my prayers, according to my faith. 
And if you are thinking, man, I want this and that in my job for my future, but there's nothing that's open like that, then pray to the Creator God. Pray that God will create a position just for you. So that you will know, oh, those things are exactly what I prayed for. Don't just wait around for something similar to come up, but pray. And according to your prayers and faith, God could create something just for you. Custom made, I'll call it. So with that custom made position, my full-time ministry started. And for three years, my tuition was paid for, my textbooks were paid for, my housing was paid for, my health insurance was paid for. Everything was provided for. God pays for everything. My future, he paid for it. And I lived on support raising um, for three years. And what I mean by that is people around me uh, just give me donation every month. And then it's kind of like living by faith. And that's what I believe Pastor David's doing. Support raising, that's what a lot of missionaries do, right? So I was doing support raising, but the back then... Uh, my church didn't really have a strong giving culture. So I was struggling. I would give letters to people, but then the response was very few. And I had to make a one-month salary for me to live on it, right? Struggling. And, um, and I, had to, I was paying my student loan. Um, that was a lot. And I just couldn't afford. So I lived on kimbap, you know, those triangle kimbaps. And my life was very difficult at that moment. But... And, and I received this uh, random donation, anonymous donation again. And uh, the amount was 400000 That's a lot from one person each month. 400000 which, uh, I mean, Korean one, I'm sorry. One sister goes on. <gasps> That's like, anyway, the Korean one, I'm sorry. $400 in U.S. dollars. I received it every month for six months. That's a lot. And uh, it was an anonymous donation, but I ended up finding out because our admin made a mistake. But uh, I ended up finding out. I was shocked because it was from a college student, like one of you guys. Yeah. And, um, and I was blown away. Like, are you serious? 400,001? That's significantly a lot for a college student, isn't it? Right? And for that person to give that up for six months, for me to support my life, that I can't explain it without God's generosity really shown through the person. That's some true love, right? And that person's in this room, by the way. Anyways, super, super blessed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that person's one of your staff here. <laughs> but God really, really blessed me and made sure that I knew, you know, I provide for you. Don't, don't you dare worry. I provide for you. My will, my bill. When I call, I provide. Don't you dare worry about it. I don't know what kind of dreams you guys have. Maybe you have a dream to start your own business or going to certain companies or study further, grad school. I don't know what kind of dreams and visions you have, but I want to encourage every single person. God is the creator and he's a provider. He's bill. What? He's bill. So as long as you're sure of what, where he's calling you to, he's going to provide everything. Relational connection, he's got it. He knows everyone in this world. Do you know that? Uh-huh. He knows everyone in this world, right? So he's got the relational connection. He's got all the money in this world. 
Finance is not a problem for him. He's going to provide. He's going to open every door. He's the Lord over all things. Okay? Don't rely on your resume. Adding one line to your resume, that's not, that's not too important, to be honest. With the favor of God, with the grace of God, with His generous provision, you could get into a company that you don't even deserve. You can get a position that you don't even, you can't even imagine entering into. God is a God that is crazy. So have some faith in His provision. Papa pays for you. Your future is paid for. You don't have to buy your future. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to pay for it. It's paid for. Fully paid for. Amen? And I was trying to come up with like a cool um, like a rhyme, but this is what I came up with. It's lame, okay? Warning, it's lame. My debt, he's death. All right, it's lame. I told you. <laughs> oh. All right, it's my debt. It makes sense, though, right? <laughs> okay, okay. It's my debt, and he's death. Let me tell you how it connects. All right. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> what I mean by that is, all my debt. His death paid for it. Okay? All of my debt, his death paid for it. You know, I was talking about money a lot, but there is an unseen spiritual economy going on in your life as well. And many of you are not aware of it. But it's, it's not like monetary, it's not like money issue, but we are bound to it, bound to the economy of heaven and hell. And you cannot get out of it. Do you guys know that sin has a price? Think about this, okay? In like a court system, let's say that a person committed a crime. And for that crime to be cleared out, that person has to, it requires a certain amount of fine or imprisonment. You guys agree? There's only two ways, right? Fine and imprisonment. Is there any, anywhere else? You know, anything else? In Korea, at least those two, right? So fine, you get fined if it's like something minor or imprisonment. If you like murder someone, if you committed some serious crime, you get into jail, right? So those th- two things, if you complete it, you become, your record, you, you know, your, your crime is taken care of. Does that make sense? You become free again after your jailment, right? Are you following me? None of you really been to jail, I guess, right? Me neither. <laughs> yeah, but imprisonment and fine. But for a sin, think about sin. Sin and crime are not the same, same thing, okay? But for a sin to be forgiven, do you know what it requires? You cannot give fine for your sin. God doesn't take fine, okay? He doesn't need your money. He doesn't take imprisonment either, okay? What, what, for a sin to be forgiven, it requires just one thing. It's death. Everyone say death. Jugum, death. Oh, some of you are very eager to learn Korean. It requires jugum, <laughs> requires death. Bible makes it very clear. It says, wage of sin is death. Clear. Sin has a price, and it is what? Death. It's like that black and white. There is no gray area. 
It's either you are innocent or you are guilty. It's either you are holy or you are defiled. It's either you are righteous or unrighteous. There's no decent sinner in this economy. There's no, I'm an okay sinner. There's nothing like that. It's either heaven or hell. As simple as that. You know, the Bible says all have fallen short of glory of God. That means all have sinned and you all are, yeah, we all fall into the same category, right? And the way, only way to pay for that sin is death. I'm not talking about your physical death. I'm talking about eternal death. You know, if I end my sermon right here, it's going to be really depressing, right? <laughs> I'm going to joke about it earlier. Eternal death. Let me pray. <laughs> I was going to like, but I'm not going to do that here. I'm sorry. You know, I was thinking, you know, can he? I, I used to think as a non-believer, can he just cancel our debt? He's God. Can he, can he just say, all right, I'll just forget about that. Just me and you. Don't tell anyone. Can you just like cancel that for me? What do you think, guys? Can you do that? No? Why not? He's God. It's becoming like a lecture right now. <laughs> Silent student. <laughs> you know, professor trying to some dig out some answers. Why not? I was to think, why not? He's God. He can do anything he wants to do. Why can't he just say, oh, all right, just, just I will, you know, let it go this time. Why can't he do that? Because it's against his character. God is who he says he is. And that character of God cannot change. If he says he is God that is good, that's his character and it cannot be changed by anything. That's who he is. God says he's what? God of justice. He's the God of righteousness, right? And those two things cannot be shaken up. Nothing, no one can change God's character. Who is who he is from the beginning till the end? Think about a righteous judge, let's say, in a village. Let's say that um, David An killed somebody in the village, okay? Bad person, okay? Let's say Pastor David murdered someone. And then he, he was running and then he got, he got caught red-handed. So he got put into, <laughs> put into jail, and then this righteous judge goes, you murderer, you know? And then the, the, the victim's family's all there, let's say, in the court. And if the judge goes, you know what? I feel really good today, so I'll just let you go today. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Is that judge righteous or not? No, he's not righteous, right? He's not a judge of justice, right? He can't do that. That's against righteousness. Think about God. God is a righteous God. And if he can just let go of sins, then he's not being righteous or just. He cannot bend his own character. God is who he says he is. That's why he can't just cancel your cancel your sin and all right the death whatever i just i just sugarcoat everything no he can't do that that's just his character so that's impossible then this was my question as well can someone die in my place can someone take my punishment and my question was actually because um right after i got saved my question was can i die for someone else's sin 
That was actually my more righteous question. Because my parents are not saved, and I was like, can I die for their sin? Because if I die as a Christian, you know, I'm going to go to heaven, and then I'm going to die for my mom and my dad's sin, and then they're going to go to heaven too. You know, really immature thinking, but but good heart, right? Good heart. My question, can someone die in someone else's place? What do you guys think? No? Is there a smart student who wants to speak up? (laughs) Why not? Uh, It didn't make sense to me, but this is the answer. Nobody is good enough to die for you. Let me explain, okay? That person, let's say Leanne wants to die for me. Thanks, Leanne, okay? I take that heart. But let's say Leanne wants to die for my sin. But herself is as good as dead for her own sin. Does that make sense? So if she dies, she dies for her own sin, not for mine. Are you guys following me? Yeah, so if you, if you die... I take your heart, but you die for yourself, girl. <laughs> you know, and that doesn't save herself or me because she's not righteous. You know, it's difficult. No, not, not right, right? You're just following me, right? So for their own sin, they are already as good as dead. And uh, death of a dead person doesn't really count. It cannot save anyone. You know, in the Bible, God only takes spotless offerings. You know, even the animal sacrifice that the Bible talks about has to be perfect, spotless, you know. And because we are not, me dying for someone else is not going to work. So at this point, we are stuck. We are completely stuck. There's no way out of this eternal damnation. And there's this debt that is impossible to pay for. We owe him whatever. It's impossible, like. We, we are hopeless getting, in getting out of this situation. And you just have to go to hell and burn for eternity. Should I end here? <laughs> and there's more, right? Praise God. And this is where our God steps in. A generous provider steps in. And he comes into the picture and provides a way out. This is how he did it. Told you that no one is qualified to die in your place. You guys remember? Among mankind, there's no one that could die for you. And death is required for your sin. But that's why God sent his own son in a form of a human. And that human being, Jesus came as a human being, as a man. He lived like one of us. He was a baby. And then he became a toddler. Became a child. Teenager young adult, he became a full grown man, he lived so, so many people think Jesus died for me, yeah that's good, but he also do you guys know that he lived for you for 33 years and he had to live a sinless life, that's exactly what he did, because if he is sinful, his death doesn't mean anything right, he had to be sinless man, that's why for 33 years Jesus lived on this earth as a sinless man So he who had no sin, therefore he had no debt to pay, nothing. He's clean, right? And he took our place. And he was accused in my place. He got spat on in my place. He got whipped in my place. He felt the shame and pain in my place. He died in my place. He was resurrected in my place. Only person that could do that 
was Jesus Christ. Who provided him? Generous Father, our provider. In a situation where we're completely stuck, there's no way out. Jesus came to rescue us. That's the greatest provision of all time. And if you know that, how could you ever doubt that God's not going to provide for any of your need? I mean, you received who? Son of God himself came down, died and resurrected. When you know that, how could you doubt that he's going to provide for your tuition or not? How could you doubt that, oh man, what am I going to live on next week? He's going to provide. When you know for sure that provision, the greatest provision of all time, when you fully grasp that, you can never doubt his provision. He truly pays for everything. You know, all men came from Jesus. He was there at the moment of creation. He was the creator. When he came, he got killed by who? His own creation. Right? So everyone that came from him could be have could have eternal life. So the price that Jesus paid wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for one person. His death wasn't one-on-one -on -one exchange. His death actually covers everyone that believes in him. That's how it works, right? Sometimes, I, I don't know, I'm really inquisitive. I have a lot of questions. So my question was, Jesus is one man, but how could that one death pay for everyone's sin? Don't you ever wonder? You know, like one death and one person has to be rescued. How come the entire world gets, you know, rescued? Like, how does it work? It's because everyone came from that creator. And the creator himself was crucified. That means the entire creation could be possibly redeemed through that one man. You guys following me? Creator had to die so that everything that's created by him could be redeemed. That's exactly what happened. That's why I can say confidently that's not just for me. It's for all of us. You know, John 3.16 is so simple. God's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever, everyone say whoever, whomever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know how important that word is? Whomever. Maybe that's for my neighbor, but I don't know. I didn't grow up in Christian family, and I don't know if I'm included. You are included, because you are created by that man. When he died, it bought your salvation. One thing you need to do, believe in him. Simple, as simple like that. He really paid for everything, huh? He really did. Something in my eye. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were about to cry. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. You say hi to me later. All right. That's good. That's good. She got the revelation of this word. Mm -hmm. So he paid for you fully, 100%. Your record is clean. Not a sinner anymore. You don't owe nothing. You know, I remember um, when I was done with my student loan, that's like the best feeling in the world. You don't owe nobody nothing. 
I'm done with my debt. I mean, this joy of knowing, man, I don't owe God nothing. It's fully paid for. That joy is like hundred times, thousand times better than paying off your student loan. That's just my personal story, but yeah. And I'm gonna just end with this. Um, why? Why did God do this? Why? This verse that I shared, um, John 3.16, it explains. It, this verse is deep, guys. It's a Sunday school Bible verse. So everyone memorizes it, but no one really fully grasps it. It says it all. God so loved the world. That's it. He said it all. God is... Do you know that he's good at math? Duh, right? God knows how to calculate things. He knows his benefits, profit, and then what goes out at expenses. And he, you know, I think he's a good dealer. He's not going to make any deal that he's going to not gain anything. If he's good, you know, if he's good at math, right? He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he had to sacrifice. He knew exactly what he was gaining by doing what he did. Let me explain further, okay? He's not regretting in heaven right now. Man, I really regret sending my son 2,000 years ago. Look at all these. He's not doing that. He has no regret. God has no regret whatsoever about what he did because he knew exactly what he was doing. He... This death of Jesus, guys, was premeditated thousands of years ago, or even from the beginning of time. Let me prove that, okay? Before the cross of Jesus, so I'm saying is, it wasn't a spontaneous thing that Jesus or God did. It wasn't a hasty decision. It wasn't a crisis mending mode, but it was premeditated. It was planned by God that is the most meticulous person in this entire universe. Let me show you how he planned everything, and he has no regret about it. What's the first book of the Bible? Genesis. We can go to Genesis chapter 22 together. Let's turn there quickly. If you have your Bibles. There are so many prophecies that's foreshadowing the death of Jesus Christ, guys. And all throughout the Old Testament. Old Testament means books that were written before Jesus came. All these prophecies are there, but this is my favorite one that's foreshadowing what happened on the cross, okay? And I love how it's early on in the scripture. Genesis, come on, the first book, chapter 22. It's a story of Abraham. So this is a random man before... Before Genesis chapter 15 or something, his name doesn't even appear once. You know, it starts with God just chose Abraham. And he starts speaking to him and starts a nation with him called Israel. So this is a beginning of his God's journey with his chosen nation, Israel, okay? At the beginning of it, God shows up to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you a son according to my promises. I'll keep my words. And then years later, Isaac actually, I mean, Abraham messed up in the middle and all that. I don't have all the time to explain it. But anyways, Isaac was born. So he's a son according to God's promise. God gave him to Abraham. He's a precious son, okay? Well, only begotten son. There was another son called Ishmael, but then he was a product of mess up, okay? I can't explain everything. I'm talking really fast right now. But Abraham was a chosen man for this lineage. So if you 
Let me explain briefly for those who are not familiar with the Bible. So the lineage of Messiah goes from Abraham and his son Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob gives birth to 12. They become 12 tribes of Israel. You guys heard of it, right? And then that nation, and then from there, King David comes out. And then from David's lineage, who comes? The Messiah, Jesus, comes. Okay? So this is the way beginning of the lineage of Jesus. You guys got me? Okay. I feel like a history professor right now. Uh, here at the beginning of this story, God tells him, Abraham's happy with his son and chilling, and then God says, hey, take, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Paraphrased. Go up to the mountain, kill your son, and burn him. Okay? You guys got it? Go kill him and burn him for me. And Abraham doesn't argue with God. He doesn't say, what you gave him to me, but he's, he's my only begotten son, Isaac, according to your promise. He doesn't say anything. He just says, he doesn't, he doesn't say anything in the Bible. But pretty much he obeys and takes his son and goes up to the Mount Moriah. He was following the story. So Abraham prepares the wood, a fire, and his son and goes up to the mountain with him. And he tells the servant, hey, wait here. And then there are some striking, like really amazing verses that's, that gives us insight about the cross. Okay, verse 6, everyone, read with me. It says this. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Here, ESV translation, it says Isaac was a boy. I don't like the translation. Boy makes it sound like he was a young, like uh, four, five, six, seven years old, right? But this exact same word, Hebrew, in Hebrew, it could mean young man, like a teenager young man. I prefer young man because you can tell Abraham put all the wood sticks on who? Isaac. And I'm sure Isaac wasn't like five years old. You know, he could carry a bunch of like wood sticks. I can't even do that, right? So I'm assuming that Isaac was a little bit older than a little young boy. You guys following? So he was the one that was carrying all the wood sticks that he's going to die on, right? Does that remind you of something? That reminds me of Jesus Christ going up the hill of Calvary carrying his own cross. The own wood stick that he's going to die on. And it says, Abraham had what? Fire and knife in his own hand. That reminds me of the father that had to let his son die on the cross. And who did it? Yeah, done by human hands. But who actually sent him there? The father did. I see resemblance in it. Verse 8. Follow me in this journey. Abraham said, God will provide for himself. Abraham answers Isaac. Isaac asks, Daddy, where's... Not, not a young boy. Dad, where's the lamb? <laughs> Father, where is the animal that we are going to kill? <laughs> you know, Isaac asks. And then the father goes this. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. How, how profound is this sentence? I don't know if Abraham knew or not, if something was going to happen or not, but Abraham says he will provide for himself the lamb. And what happened on the day of crucifixion? God provided for himself the lamb that was spotless, sinless, perfect, his own son for himself. 
verse 13, keep following me. It says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him, so this is right when Abraham lifted his hand, his knife, to about to kill his son. And Isaac was already lying on the wood sticks, right? And get this, Isaac, if he was able to carry all the wood sticks, I think he was able to get up and grab his dad's hands and, what are you doing, father? You know, I want to bite you. Are you about to kill me right now? You know, I don't know. He's a good boy. But if he was able to carry all the heavy stuff, I think he's strong enough to beat up his own, uh, not beat up, but uh, <laughs> resist, resist his father, Abraham, who was hecka old, okay? <laughs> and it says, right when he was about to kill him, angel of God appears and says, do not kill him. Time me, huh? Don't kill him. And verse 13 says, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked around and found what? A ram. Do you guys know what difference is lamb and ram? Lamb is a baby sheep, right? Ram is a full-grown um, male sheep. That's ram, okay? A full-grown male ram was found behind them. Caught in a thicket by his horns. In verse 14, it goes on. So Abraham called the name of that place. So they ended up sacrificing the ram instead. And then they called that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He called that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And Hebrew grammar is interesting. The future tense and present tense are the same. There's only one. So the Lord will provide. Same thing the Lord provides which means all the time, right? A ram. You know what that reminds me of? The ram that was provided by God, that died on the cross. A full-grown man that had more than enough strength to resist, more than enough power. He could have just called an angel, oil me, come and protect me. But he didn't. He had all authority and power in heaven and earth, but he didn't speak up. He did not resist. But he meekly went to the cross. And this place was called Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Beautiful foreshadowing of what happened on the cross. You know what God is speaking to us right now? In any situation, don't you dare doubt that I paid for everything. Don't you ever doubt the cross wasn't cross was for you this was premeditated from ancient days days of Abraham it was premeditated foreshadowed by these stories so that you will know that when Jesus died on the cross it wasn't an accident it wasn't a spontaneous decision but I did it for you don't you dare doubt that I am a Jehovah Jireh that I will provide and I do provide If he paid for your eternal debt by his death, what else? What else will he hold back? And that's all I wanted to share. Fully paid for. Stop living a life trying to pay for things, pay for your future. Stop trying to Live a life, putting all the burden, putting all the pressure on yourself. 
thinking, I got to figure out my own way to success. No, everything's been paid for. At the cross, you can fully believe that it's all done and I'm a free, free man. I don't have any debt. I'm shameless. And my dad took care of the bill. So let me just live under the blessing.